How many of us shut-ins will remain agoraphobic <laughs> after this lockdown is lifted? I wonder. I don't know. But in the, my stroke group, a bunch of people were talking about how they feel like the world is starting to maybe understand our position more. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes you think about being wheelchair-bound or what that might entail, like how claustrophobic that could potentially be, how the battle might be a lot more mental than physical at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh, life is very back and forth right now. Maybe it always is. Like, upswings and downswings. Of course. You just gotta be cheery anyway. You gotta smile your way through it. Oh, man. Sometimes it's easier than other times. And it's so easy to tell you that when you're worrying about something. Like, worry doesn't help anything. But then, like, when I'm worried, you know, it's so much harder. When you were 16, what did your boss at Ivers tell you? About my smile? Yeah. Oh. She just wouldn't let me cook in the back because she said I was hired for my smile back. <laughs> Sometimes you just got you just got to smile your way through. It's just just a cringy analogy I was trying to make, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, now, now it didn't sound so good once I <laughs> once it got out there. No, it's mm. good. You do have like smiling smiling helps. It's hard. I guess I don't have a good smile. I'm working in the back. <laughs> And the fry cook. <laughs> well, the other day I looked in the mirror. It, it, it was funny. Like, um, we were getting ready for bed, and I looked in the mirror. And I and I turned to Kit, and I said, I, I, like, I had this little moment of thinking. And I turned to Kit, and I was like, I just looked in the mirror. And then he finished my sentence. He's like, and you realized, like, you're, do you remember what you said? You realized that you have a life left to live. Yeah, and it was very weird that he knew exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I I saw it pass across her face. It was um, Christine's very expressive. She can. <laughs> no, mem- I thought it was because you were super intuitive. <laughs> <and> like <laughs> she's expressive and emotional, and she can memorize copious amounts of line. And she probably should have been an actor or something like that. But. Um, it, when you're watching her face, you can see a lot of things go through, you know, her brain. And uh, maybe it's just because I know her, I don't know. But I could see in, in eight months, it was the first time that she had really considered that she not only wanted to live a life afterwards, but that there was a quality life left to pursue. I mean, I was operating under that assumption, the whole smiling, when you don't feel like smiling, fake it to make it. I don't know if it was totally faking it, but like, it just, oh, I don't know, the realization just hit me. The desire for it was there in theory, but not in practical purpose. And that's hard to explain, because many of you have interacted with Christine, you've talked to her, and she seems like everything's cool, and you know, um, in her physical therapists and mental therapists they all really you know tried to focus early on on well what do you want to live for what do you want to do after this um they gave her some intelligence tests and they said well you should really do something and and all of that 
makes sense theoretically, but when you've got this, you know, this big old lunk of scar tissue in a central part of your brain, <laughs> right? Like that kind of affects your moods and emotions and and you really um even when you're putting on a good face in front and even when you're working really hard and working through it, it doesn't mean say, that you have that hope. I don't want to say that I was faking it. I had hope. I, I don't know. Life is just so many levels and realizations. I don't know how it was different than before. Well, it took eight months, but when it passed through you, it was apparent. It doesn't mean things got easier, but it, it something about Ooh. you did change. Yeah. Some fundamental aspect of of how you are recovering and operating changed. But I really, I want to remember, like, I've also been feeling, um, that was probably about a week ago. Mm -hmm. And. Oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, maybe. I I have no concept of time anymore. Who does? I'm (laughs) not going anywhere. (laughs) Um, But, like, there has been. much tougher times since then that have I have not felt that hopeful. And um, I guess I've realized how really since like the end of January, things have really just kind of moved in an upswing for me in recovery. And I couldn't tell you specific things that are happening, but just that I've been getting better in undefinable ways but noticeable to both of us i think um yeah, it's a lot harder to be positive about them actually because they're not they're not um definable right but but i have but it's made me feel even though it hasn't given me something to be positive about in specific it has made me feel in a sense that everything's going to be okay um the stroke itself is an event far in my past now um not really but it it feels less repeatable it feels like I might just move on from here and just work on getting better and live my life um but I just but since then I've had these moments these downturns that have made me remember that I don't want my hope to be in that everything's going to be okay. Like the heart palpitations that you've been experiencing over the last two or three days? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, I've had heart palpitations, um, which had significantly, like the panic attacks, I think, stopped maybe in December, and the palpitations, like have wound down quite a bit the last significant ones I remember were in January and I've had them since but um they wound down and then they came back and uh, and like I had noticed that they were coming on a like a schedule in my monthly cycle but these ones aren't and they're the first ones aren't and so it's been kind of freaky for me to be honest pretty freaky yeah, one thing Christine has been good at is figuring out um, patterns. And I really... Well, people helped me out with that. Yes, they did. But also you and I, I you know, I was involved with that. Um, but really figured out patterns quickly. And I, I, 
I think that's kind of an underestimated and undertaught skill for people in in medical situations. And I feel very deeply that there needs to be some kind of class or training for survivors of, you know, whether it's a car wreck or a brain aneurysm, it doesn't really matter. Keep a journal. Yeah, not only yeah, not only keeping a journal, but the skill set that you need to identify and isolate um you know, different events or little differences in your health and oh, well, how to, how to like examine them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's implied that if you write it down, I guess that you'll start to notice the things that are happening. But I think it's even more than that. You, but the pat the pattern of it, like, I guess, um, palpitations, anxiety, um, panic attacks, um, can be very linked to your hormones. So that was a comforting thought to me that these were relegated to certain times and that was it. So having them suddenly appear again when they'd been a couple months gone and out of pattern right. has been something I've had to grapple with. I mean, we all have the weight of something that we're living under and trying to trying to deal with everybody does whatever yeah. those things are and the answers <laughs> the things that arise from that the questions are usually varied and complex such as um okay well you know christine may or may not have an enzyme deficiency related to um you know b12s and and folates and uh potassium and that kind of junk and um okay, well, when you don't get enough of that, what happens? Um, sometimes you get cold sores and you well, can have like... heart palpitations. And, well, she has both of those right now. So is well, that it? It's not cold or, sores. It's different. Or is it? It's mouth ulcers, which I don't have, mouth thankfully. Ulcer. Okay. Well, whatever. But we go down this line of thinking. That was like. I think I had a cold sore before that you told them about. It was so embarrassing and degrading <sighs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> cares anymore. i know it's i'm okay. just kidding you got to make this radio entertaining talk about that kind of stuff anyway um christine's th- gross one of <laughs> you're not gross <laughs> i'm just kidding sorry spent some gross moments though but we won't go into any of those on air here um so there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of random thinking that goes into that well, that was one of many thinking and i wanted to give the example of the other lines of thoughts you immediately go down she's having heart palpitations okay well that's but, one thing that could be then but, what's next what else could cause it it could well, let's talk about the the irony oh just kidding he has something important to say no just the point that i wanted to make you need to maybe talk about how you have to think about those things when i was when i was saying that i I think there needs to be a roadmap for people going through medical crisis to isolate things what are the other things that came about in our conversation about your palpitations oh you mean root causes yeah okay well so like anxiety sure sleep chicken and the chicken and the egg anxiety talk about that for a moment okay so the kind of ironic thing about this particular series of palpitations is that um, I had my phone consultation with uh, the heart doctor, the cardiologist that I was supposed to see in person this last week. Um, I had that last week and then 
like two days later, it's the weekend. And I've and I'm I'm telling him like, Oh, I used to have palpitations, they seem to be dissipating. Two days later, they come back. Like, why does that always happen? Like right after the doctors something yeah. happens. Oh, but anyway, um the doctor and I were talking about um the chicken and the egg and I said, you know, um, yes, I'm having these palpitations and I'm having panic attacks. I don't know if I'm having panic attacks, which palpitations are a part of, or if there's something like the palpitations are freaking me out and I'm having the panic attacks because I'm not actually aware of them before. It would be more like the, like they're freaking my body and brain out without me being aware. So a lack of potassium can bring on a heart palpitation, then the heart palpitation can bring on anxiety, and then the literal brain injury inside her head could actually bring on a palpitation as well. And then yeah, because they definitely she, get worse as I'm anxious about them. Because she had another palpitation. And I pal- know that. Yeah, because she had another palpitation, then she could therefore have more anxiety, and then it could loop back in and circle itself. And I start to think lovingly about the pill bottle sitting in my drawer waiting for me if I need it. Right. So all of these things play into each other a little bit. Um, And Christine has so far taken no drugs to help her. There's all kinds of things that are assigned. Oh, I have them as needed for the panic attacks, which I have been amazingly not needed for several months. She's been very resistant to it. And you you can she's she's gotten by with it i think just just barely because she'll think down these lines of different causations and cycles and what could possibly loop back into itself yeah well i i'm very good at <laughs> i was telling kid that he doesn't always realize this because i can be very emotional i am very emotional but I, I am still very logical and able to think of cause and effect. But just because I'm using this rational thought and this logical thought doesn't mean my emotions aren't going to get the better of me. So doctors use decision trees um, yeah, for most probable cause as they go down the line with patients. But um, the patient themselves, they have to use you know, a decision tree plus you know, counting in all these extra variables that might kind of um, be affecting them, their social emotional kind of status, depending on their environmental factors, their food factors, on top of whatever the actual underlying conditions are, if you even have a diagnosis, right? And those connections are so complex that I don't know. I I just really believe that there needs to be a system out there in place for the common person, whether it's a computer program to help you or whatever, where you just list out the factors in your life and it helps draw out possible conclusions or probabilities. And no one will probably ever make that due to the liability concerns. But just working through this with Christine has made me realize there's a huge gap in patient knowledge, right? And... In essence, those that either A, advocate for themselves really, really well, demanding the best brains, you know, to be working on their problems, or B, have the best insurance, or C, are smart and can pick through it, 
or D, they have, D, they have a medical background or, you know, E, they've got money, you know, and they can just pay their way through the problems. Like there, there's not a concrete way for people with these kind of problems to, to really start like a starting point kind of system would be nice for patients. Um, but they, they don't, hospitals don't necessarily give you that because, and for good reason, again, liabilities, you know, if they, remember they told you to stay off the web when I first had my stroke. Oh yeah, of course. Because like, mm -hmm. you know, about causes and how we're going to freak ourselves out and and they were, like, I don't want to say that they wanted to keep us ignorant because they were, they knew what they were doing. And anytime we brought, like, a possible cause to them, they had already gone through that. That's not entirely true, but okay, I well, get what you're I saying. I mean, at they're, that point in the Barbara. Yes. Like, I mean, since then, we drop random things. but they, they have a job to do, and they don't need to be dealing with a doting relative um, uh, well, that that is, you know innocently enough but frustratingly plying them with questions based on well, WebMD. They were more talking about like freaking yourself out over something unnecessary yeah. to freak out. And it was it was kind of like how people everyone's stroke is different and freaking out over the Yeah, things. but I think that was hard for me and you in particular. I, I think that both of us share a common belief that knowledge is power and knowledge is important. We don't always use that power. We're not always very ambitious with it, but well, knowledge, I just wasn't... knowledge is a value structure that we hold in our family and in ourselves. And you know, um I think it calms us down when we have the proper knowledge or, you know, yeah. the well, ability the time, to research though, they problems. Just weren't, I think they are maybe more talking about the effects of stroke and that's different for everybody. To counterpoint that, though, I know a very credentialed uh, clinician who also said that nobody's going to tell you anything because um, <laughs> they're actually trained not to say too much ever because of hospital liability issues that is unfortunate yeah and i get it there's no way around it i mean education's the same way you don't always want to say too much right you want to sometimes hold back a little bit but anyway um anyway um yeah i'm talking to the cardiologist and um as soon as quote unquote elective meaning scheduled surgeries and stuff like that are are back in this world, I am going to go and get a heart monitor installed. Iron Woman. Yeah, they, the kids and kid are like, the kids were like, ask him if you can get an LED light one, blue LEDs, be like Iron Man. Um, so it is um, going to be a three-year heart monitor because they want to make sure, I don't know, that they're not missing anything in, in this Yes. weird you know case of mine figure out what is going on he said so yeah it's really unlikely that she has afib but the doc looked it over and he said you know they ran out all the other possibilities you really need to check this carefully so they're gonna run their very best heart monitor on her that is the most sensitive to you know yeah he wants to run an extra AFib. sensitive one it's a little bigger than the two-year one, but he said, you know, like, it's going to pick up some more slight variations because they're really wanting to look into what could be going on with me, which I appreciate. And, you know, they're 
they want to talk about my panic attacks. Um, because, you know, chicken or egg, like I said. Anyway, this whole thing started, I guess, right tonight with me talking about feeling like everything's going to be okay. And then things not feeling like they're going to be okay. And so I just want to remember to not have my hope in that everything's going to be okay. Because it's not going to be okay all the time. Like, life is broken. People are broken. The world is broken. Um, People get laid off. People get sick. The coronavirus hits the world. Um, Whatever that entails. um, And whatever we mess up because of it. um, Or during it. Your cat's distracting you. Yeah, he's super... He's, like... He's come over and he's, like, kneading his paws on me. Oh, He's, like, it's time to be done with this and pay attention to me. (laughs) Like a child. (laughs) Um, but... My goodness. Okay. But I want to have my hope in Christ. And my hope in the world beyond this. Because then... Even if it's not okay everything's going to be okay. And maybe that's foolish to you, but I think it's worth looking into because... The alternative is endless anxiety. (laughs) Oh, well. Different people deal with anxiety differently and cope without it, but I just think like a true hope in Christ. And it is so comforting to me that if I die... Okay, now the owls outside are distracting me. Christine is currently very distracted by wild animals. The cat <laughs> was incredibly persuasive and just distract her. And there's owls hooting outside and her coyotes and all kinds of wild creatures outside her house, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and the cat's like hitting you with the tail. reminds me, do you want to tell them about your big breakthrough with travel and distance lately? Oh, did we not? No, that's recent. Yeah, um, so... Are you sure we didn't? I guess not. So, lately I... Like, I have been feeling like... Are you sure we didn't last time? Well, I might have talked about going up to the top of the farm fields, which that was a first for you. You haven't gone off our property on your own walking in eight months, which... That's think about that. Like yeah. she hasn't left the yard in eight months, other than you know, van to go to therapy and things like that. But um, to actually walk off the property, um, that was a big step. But what I was thinking of was an even bigger thing for you, since you're a nature girl. Oh, um. So yeah, I've been working on walking without the brace, very very slowly, and. So this whole time since I've started walking in our yard, um, probably about a month after we got home, something like that, every time I walk by, we have this path from our backyard um, to a trail system, but the path goes over a log bridge, which is, it's been cut so the top is flat, but there's no rails it's not super wide. It's just a log. 
But, like, every time I go by, I can't help but think, like, I want to go back there someday. Someday. Um, and that someday was... Not yesterday, day before yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Or, sorry, <laughs> not yesterday. <laughs> day the day before, before yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so I, it was a big deal. I was like, hey, can you help me? And it, it, it did kind of freak me out because, like, Kit had to go way down below. And I was like, I couldn't use my cane because it's not wide enough to use that. And I had to, like, at one point, like, I'm touching his head as my, like, walking stick. Um. But I did it, and I went, I went on a hike. Yeah. On like. Yeah, you went a few acres back into the woods on some very, very ruddy trail, really. Yeah. Um, and you walked Pretty across, you walked across the rickety swamp bridge that the boys I and I built. The boys and I built like a hundred and seventy-five foot long, like just very cheaply made um, coal lumber. Uh, kind of deal from Home Depot swamp bridge uh, laid out across logs where the water piles up and uh, I mean it freaked me out but then uh, I was like <sighs> looks like a train track it's cool because they step from one board to the next I was like I'm not very brave I'm like terrified of this I wouldn't make a good Iron Man or you know superhero just because we'd been talking about the the heart monitor for me and then I was like no because I'm doing it anyway I'm terrified but I'm doing it anyway yeah. So that was pretty cool. It's very cool. Uh, one other cool thing. I know we should end it. Mm-hmm. But, like, Kate has to stretch my legs and stuff and help me every night. Because they're all wacky. Um, tonight. Do you want to say it? I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I tuned like, out. You were like, hey, this is a big I was, deal. Like, I was I playing feel, on my iPhone again. I feel like you weren't. <laughs> I was like, you said... That you felt my hamstring muscle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I have to stretch Christine out every night. Um, there's a series of exercises that we do. And as her problems and progress become more complex, exercises are slowly added to that. And so one of them is um, I got to like pull her leg out um, a couple and, and just rock it back and forth and keep pulling on it to keep the hip joint, uh, open. Cause there's certain small muscles in the hip joint that will atrophy during strokes and things like that, where you lose the right sides of your body or the left side of your body or however it is for you. Um, the small muscles tend to atrophy and then you end up with a lot of joint problems. But when you're trying to get it back, you know, you're putting a lot of stress on other muscles that are activated. And so it's, it's pretty complex trying to like figure out like what you should be stretching and what you shouldn't where you should put your energies because otherwise you're going to spend you know a million hours stretching everything and it's kind of tough but the physical therapists are all very good at helping you identify you know which which stretches you should be adding or starting to do depending on where you're out at uh developmentally and so for christine um you know pullered leg and then we got to like put her knee up at a 90 and push down on her knee to... It's, it's like a billion things. You're you... going to maybe bore people. Oh, no. It's so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> you just visualize it in your head. <laughs> you can do that, right? No, I forget that people don't do that. Um, or not everybody does. Um, yeah. So uh, bottom line, um, one of the, a lot of the exercises I have to rotate and move her leg around a lot. 
and it requires me to feel the backside of her like hamstring uh, on her thigh. Hey, he just touched it, and I'm like, it's yeah. sore. The muscle's sore. Yeah, which um, she has been getting away with a lot of abdominal muscle movement and hip flexor movement to make herself walk, even though she doesn't necessarily have all the right muscles for walking. And one of the big problems we've always run into with her is she's incredibly adaptive. In other words, she's walking when she shouldn't really be walking, that kind of stuff. And a lot of that was because she did yoga. That's a that's a plug for yoga. I hate doing yoga, but Christine did yoga for yoga. two and a half years religiously every day. Um, never missed a single day before she had the stroke. And in the recovery process, I'm... I'm 100% convinced it would have been twice as long to get half as far well, if like she hadn't done it. every therapist has said that. Yeah, the therapist has really drilled that home in my thinking as well. But um, so she had been using her leg without really using her hamstring and it became... Which is kind of like, it's dangerous. It can be bad, oh, yeah. really bad for the knee because you're not co-contracting the hamstring and the quadriceps to protect your knee. And you can like back knee or your knee will pop. And it, which can lead to some, it's uncomfortable and it hurts, but it can lead to some serious problems over time. Yeah, unfortunately, when you're trying to recover and do all of this, you can actually injure yourself a lot more. Well, Recovery and that's why they have me dangerous. in the brace and, and, and yeah. all this protective equipment. Um, yeah, but they don't have you in a knee brace. But anyway, she was... No, the, the, the AFO actually helps, you. like, back kneeing uh, can be corrected with some things in the ankle. And I mean, it's... It's not fixing the actual problem, but it's adjusting okay. something in you that... So yeah. now that she's trying to use her ankle and get her small muscles in her ankle back, which, you know, may or may not happen, but we're hopeful. And yes, it's it will. Looking, it's looking better. You know, it's looking better every day. She's gone from walking you know, very tentatively on varied surfaces without her brace to milling about the yard with yeah. not much problem. And I did it with, like, I, I just walked out of the house one day and I had... I don't, I just wasn't thinking and I was just wearing normal tennis shoes and I forgot my cane and I just walked around the yard just like, yeah, not dangerously. I, I'm, I pay attention, but like, yeah, big too. It, okay, I derailed us. Sorry. No, it's good. It's a big deal. But as she's been getting it all back and using her leg in more varied ways, she's also back kneeing a lot more and it's becoming apparent that she's going to mess her knee up good if yes, she doesn't get her I I had been doing back. it a lot more to begin with, but as I've adapted, I've learned not to do it, but I think I've learned not to do it um, with some adaptations that I'm now learning not to. And, and, you know, I think we said the therapist told me it's going to get worse before it gets better at this point because we're aiming for... Everything. So you were doing an exercise the other day that just involved dragging your heel up, which you've been doing, able to do a long time now. But she's laying down on her back and she brings her heel to her butt, okay, and knee up, you right? Can't say butt. As she's doing that, the the video that she was watching as she's trying to research how to prevent back knee and stuff, the the video that she founded, they expressly told her not to just bring it to yourself but to but to dig your heel in and think about the heel moving to the butt and it turned out that she had been bringing her heel up 
And she couldn't really get it all the way to the butt. Like, but when you bring it off the ground, you're using a hip flexor. Right. Well, I don't know that that was the only one. I've been doing... Um, my therapist gave me a lot of exercises, too, to work on it. I'm just giving myself yeah. extra homework. So, I, like, I did a lot of exercises. Here's how, here's how I know it was working to do something. She dug her heel in and drug it up. And it made her cry. Like, terrible yeah. crying. And, and her head started to hurt. Like physically her brain started to hurt a lot. And it was kind of painful to watch. Like it, it just melted you, just destroyed you mentally. But it yeah. must have been reconnecting some like, kind of... It didn't make me cry because it hurt my leg. It was just so Mentally hard, tough. So exhausted. Oh my goodness, I'm getting tired thinking of it. Right. But yeah, anyway... I've done all these exercises. My therapist gave me um, several exercises to do, and then I yeah got this extra one. And tonight it was like. I felt her the back of thigh, the quadricep muscles, and her hamstring. hamstring. Yeah. Um, I felt, I felt her muscles there, and it's gonna sound weird, but it's the first time they've been there, but they're like jiggly and like they're not activated they're not they're they're, just flapped around they're atrophied and it was the first time i had felt the backside of her thigh actually like had retention to it it was stiff you were sore in a good way not just like Mm -hmm. joint sore but like muscle sore there and i could feel your hamstring and that that was so if my heart doesn't kill me i'm gonna start walking (laughs) Yeah, I. It's just recover. Recovery is such a funny and fascinating thing. Um, if you know anybody that's in recovery, um, know that they're walking through a minefield that is invisible to everybody else around them, but they are very much. It's a. It's a. It's a minefield, and um, any little movement the wrong way can just bring you to absolute destruction and that's a kind of fascinating thought that i i've never you know when i see somebody trying to get things back or recover i think oh that's good for them you know i don't i never think about what they're enduring or Uh, or what you know muscle atrophy means or how their joint pain or muscles might hurt or spasm or how if they roll their ankle the wrong way they might lose six months of recovery in a moment. So I have a million more things to say in response to you, but I think we should yeah. call it quits. Well, maybe the lesson is tonight just to, Ooh, just to, I don't know. I don't know the lesson, but the lesson for me is to be um, more understanding and empathetic of people that are recovering. When I see somebody in a recovery phase, um, I'm going to look at them differently not it's not an i'm sorry for you kind of thing it's a wow you are fighting a difficult and complicated battle that i don't think people marginalize it i just don't think people understand it and at least when i see somebody with that kind of yeah you don't know the depths mode, of what i mean you you're never going to know the depths of what each person's going through so find your hope tonight because we're all going through stuff and this too shall pass i hope so
<laughs> All right. Good night. We Good love night. you.